Hills.com. It's Randy Bauman and the DVE Morning Show on your home of the Pittsburgh Steelers 102.5 DVE. Joining us right now, you heard him on the Steelers-Browns broadcast on CBS this past Sunday. And you hear him now on DVE, courtesy of Hovis Auto and Truck Supply, former NFL referee Gene Steratore. Gene, good morning. How are you, man? Good morning, Randy. Good morning, guys. My first question for you is how did the Stripes screw the Steelers out of that punt <laughs> that clearly hit one of the Browns and would have iced the game for us? Wait a minute. Wait a minute, guys. Six turnovers, 150 yards of uh, penalties. And, and, and none of it would have mattered. None <laughs> of it would have mattered. It's all about the punt. I love it. I need to pass a new rule down here in Washington, like, if you're out in the morning going to the post office, no canoes without outboard motors before 8 o'clock. we got a heck of a backup here at the post office uh, today. Yeah. A little, little wet down there? Uh, <laughs> a little bit wet down here today, Mike. Got a four-kayak backup back here. Down here. <laughs> <laughs> well, in, in all seriousness, take me through that. How It seemed to us clearly on TV that the, the, you know, the ball hit a Browns player before Sean Davis oh, recovered man. it. I love the wording, too. Seemed to us, clearly. It just seemed so obvious. Plus, he flinched a little bit when the ball got near That's right. And yeah, it changed trajectory. And it changed rotation. <laughs> and, hey, let's face it, too. And you rewound it 100 times. It went click by click like there's a fruiter film. That's too. right. Head moves, ball up. Head That's moves, right. Ball In the 480th up. frame. It's clear exactly. to see. It was so blatantly obvious. His head went back and to the left. <laughs> back and to the left. The ball was right there. I could see it. I saw it clear as day. I, I think with those plays, they're really difficult in replay uh, to overturn. And, and at times, I'll be really frank with you, they're tough on the field uh, because it is subtle. And, and if it did happen, it wasn't just overly egregious. The ball didn't change direction, you know, really severely. And I think what happened with that play is as the ball was going end over end, back upward toward the head uh, in that reaction, you just have to remember that the rules in replay have to see something completely conclusive to overturn that and on the field they did rule that it did not touch him which has been first element you know you always remember when we go to replay hey guys what did they rule on the field and then we work back from that right mm-hmm. we've got a you know the ruling on the field is it didn't touch okay show me something not just clearly not just appear i have to see it you know we have to have that shot so we're not in uh Court where preponderance of evidence is is the uh, determining factor. It's no, got to... no, no, exactly, Mike. Circumstantial. No, I know it all smells like a duck, looks like a duck, but I've got to see it, guys. You know, Bruce it's got a, a quack. Comment. Exactly. VA made a comment, I think, and I, I think they cut my audio off. Probably good. It was a safety reason. He said, "Could you imagine if I were down the field on the field, Gene, and you came to tell me that it wasn't, you know, that it didn't hit him? What, what would have been the conversation after that? You know." <laughs> was he a little wordy? He gets a little wordy. Yeah, you know, Coach Arians, Coach Cower, for all of us in the Pittsburgh area, they they just never wore their emotions on their sleeves. You know, as an official, we never knew where they were coming from. <laughs> <laughs> Would have been so much easier. Yeah. So the, another penalty in that game, the Miles Garrett uh, body weight rule. Uh, he gets a roughing for following through on a tackle on Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, on, and then the league said yesterday, uh, actually, we got that one wrong. What What's the ruling, and how is a referee supposed to determine what percentage body weight gets followed through on a tackle? 
it's not easy. I mean, that's that's why those officials are pretty good for the most part, uh, uh, to be honest with you. I think on the one where Ben rolls left and, and Garrett's kind of chasing, more than anything, it may have been the initial contact being at the near below also, uh, maybe as opposed to body weight on that where it's kind of a quarterback standing still and now that big guy who's been chasing him for two and a half hours finally gets there and, and now in the process of physics where a 350-pounder has taken you down, we, we ask him to turn or show us some type of an optic where we don't feel like his entire body landed on him. I think with that one, more, more of a low hit. And, and in that regard, I think what I was talking about was he, he felt like he had wrapped his, his lower body before he drove through it. So that's another element that we have to consider when we do roughing the passer. Those hits at the near below, it has to be with force. If that defensive player, Aaron Donald did it last night, it was forced to the knee to Jared Goff. And in Ben's case, they felt like Miles Garrett wrapped with his arms and did not deliver forcible blow to the knee area or below. So that's why I think he said that he would prefer that they didn't call that one. Hey, Gene, could some of that have been circumstantial? Because Garrett was actually zone blitzing on that. He was playing shallow zone, and then he started chasing Roethlisberger from the middle of the field, and he covered a lot of ground. And you see that big body closing faster. You're just thinking, okay, this is going to end poorly for the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you know, Mike, a lot of what we do is, and again, realize, you know, in real time, this is happening really, really fast. I did notice that this week, the luxury of slowing things down while I was in the studio and watching them over and over again. But yeah, you you do know when somebody is free of an offensive player and there's nothing but air between that big D lineman or that defensive player and the quarterback. Uh, Yeah, he has a brick in his hand as he's starting to close the gap. So you are looking and anticipating, you know. So did the Carlos Dunlap hit on Andrew Luck. Now, this was a, a rule that was enacted because of the Aaron Rodgers collarbone play, right? It, you know it, it's, it's trying to protect the quarterback. Yeah, we, we are constantly trying to protect the quarterback. And I think, you know, rather than some of the little cliches or comments we hear about put a skirt on them or, or they can't do anything, we're back to flag football. The quarterback, for the most part, guys, is is one of the is maybe the only player on a on a field like that that could be standing completely still. You know, when you see yeah. hits in the NFL, the only guy that really gets a hit where he's motionless or standing still usually is the quarterback. And you know, when you're in a passing uh, motion or, or planning your leg to fo- to throw a forward pass, those legs are locked to the ground, and that's why a lot of the hits below the knees. That's why the protection mechanisms are greater for for, for them. Uh, in Andrew Luck's case, and a few nuances with that play, I had that one as well. That was one of the six games that I was looking at because they were CB. That was a CBS game as well. You know, Andrew Luck is sliding. He, he gets a blow that is delivered to his head or neck area. And really, there's a few little dynamics. We want to go 400 level of officiating and confuse everybody. But if you have a blow like that, which was ruled unnecessary roughness on the field, and, and by definition, unnecessary roughness, it's a late hit. It's a blow to the head or neck area. It was not helmet contact there, and it was not also not considered a non-football-related act of unnecessary roughness, which would be a skirmish after the play and a, and a punch thrown or something. That's a non-football-related act. This was a football-related unnecessary roughness that did not involve the crown of the helmet. So from the officiating lens, in that case, the officials on the field have to rule unnecessary roughness and also have to rule that they believe the player should be ejected. 
the officials must say that on the field in real time. Once they say that and that announcement is made, then New York can get involved and confirm that they believe he should be ejected or pull it off. Now, if it were a helmet contact or a non-football-related foul, then the NFL can interject themselves from the command center and suggest or, or make that call from New York and say, we want him ejected. In this case, it's unnecessary roughness. It's a hit to the head or neck area. The officials on the field have to say, we believe he should be ejected or we're ruling ejection. The NFL can get involved then and say, we confirm that ruling or that, that judgment on the field as an ejection which is what was the case in Indianapolis with Cincinnati. All right, so that was the Sean Williams uh, ejection. Andrew Luck, that's correct. I, yeah. yeah, okay, I I, uh, I wasn't being clear. I was still talking about the there was a penalty on Carlos Dunlap, same thing that Miles got called for in, in uh, Cleveland, that it just seemed like it was the exact uh, interpretation of what you were saying implemented differently in Indianapolis. So okay. what now moving past that to the ejection, that seems yeah. pretty clear. How uh, how close was TJ Watts hit on uh Terod Taylor to being you know, one of those to hits? To be honest guys, I just didn't see that one. Uh to, so I I couldn't comment on that one for you today. I didn't get to see that, but I'll queue it up and uh and next Tuesday, uh, comment on it if I if I get a peek at it. I just didn't see that. I apologize. Yeah, he was fine. It was perfectly within the rules. I wouldn't. Uh, <laughs> yeah, don't even look at it. I wouldn't worry about it. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna search it right now. No, no, it's fine. No, it was fine. That's that was a love tap. Love Call tap. Call me back in ten minutes. We'll talk about it. <laughs> hey, did uh, did Gronk get away with one? You know, um, that's a, he makes a heck of a play, and his hands are so strong, Mike. Uh, it would have been one that I think it's one you want to look at. I mean, without a doubt, um, you know, the error in that case is that the replay official that is in the stadium still. And, uh, you know, he's the first line of defense in that situation for the league to stop the game. You know, you'd want him to do that. Uh, Brady, uh, this isn't his first go around. He, he realizes that there might be a little smoke on the play and, and not just the fact that it was, in, you know, under two minutes. I think they had one timeout or no timeouts. So you're in a hurry up anyway, and uh, it's a very short window for somebody to yell into someone's ear down on the field, stop game, stop game, so we can look at it. So, uh, And New England does what New England does. I mean, they're thinking a couple seconds ahead of everything, so they get the snap off, and, and now all of a sudden you don't get to review. And look, in the officiating world, when things like that happen, I can tell you probably nine times out of ten, something else happens right after that that causes that that decision or lack of decision to, to get uh, exponentially uh, you know pushed forward and now New England scores within two or three plays and uh, you know they end up winning by seven you don't think it was because it was close to halftime and the guy was in line for the lobster roll <laughs> <laughs> I don't know the chowder's pretty good up there Mike yeah you know, it is <laughs> back in the day we used to get a, a, a tub of that in the locker room and when I'd take the kids to the game they'd be like dad it's a little too chilly out here we'll just be in the officials locker room when you get in there at halftime and the chowder would be gone, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Gene Steratore, uh with our uh, weekly segment here, chronicling the exploits of your NFL referees. Not a bad first week. Outside for costing the Steelers the game, uh, you know, pretty good week for the NFL refs. <laughs> it's always a good week when it's not all the headlines, you know? Right. A, and remember something, guys. We never wake up on Monday morning with a win. Okay, so have some empathy. You know how the locker rooms say after three losses in a row, you know what all we really need in here, guys, is a W. If we get a W, the, the locker room lifts up. Remember, 
the officials never wake up on Monday morning with a W. <laughs> That's one to grow on. Gene Steratore, thanks so much, thanks, Gene. Gene. Gene, brought to you by Hubbis Auto thanks, and Truck guys. Supply this morning on the 